Welcome to our show. This is going to be terrible. We're three friends hanging out, talking about whatever seems interesting at the time. Don't say we didn't warn you. We haven't met before. Hi, my name is Robert. Hey, Nathan. Yeah. How did the hipster burn his mouth? Uh, he had too much wasabi on his guacamole. He ate the pizza before it was cool. <laughs> Hi, I'm James. Well, I got a joke for you. What's better than a chili dog? Two it's chili me. dogs. It's me, Nathan. I'm better than a chili dog. But are you better than two? No. Mm. No more? No less? No less. <laughs> <laughs> well, this week, we'll be looking at the live-action movie adaptation of one of the biggest video game mascots ever, the big blue blur himself, the one, the only, Sonic the Hedgehog. Released in early 2020, just before the pandemic hit, Sonic the Hedgehog would turn out to be a surprise given the disastrous fan response to that first teaser trailer, which I'm sure we will go into later. Directed by Jeff Fowler and starring Ben Schwartz, James Marsden, and Jim Carrey. But before we begin talking about the movie proper, we kind of want to go over our own personal history with Sonic, be it from the games, comic books, cartoons, however we first were really introduced to the character. As far as for me, I mostly grew up on the Nintendo consoles. It started with like, you know, typically uh, the NES, the SNES, all the way up through, I think my brother had a GameCube while I got an Xbox and that's where I kind of drifted away. But growing up, the one Sega thing I did have was the portable Game Gear, aka the AAA battery guzzling monstrosity but it was in color i think that's the only reason my parents got it for me because we already had a game boy so we didn't really need it so that was my main exposure to you know some of the sonic games on there otherwise it would happen to be like if i went to a friend's house and they had a sega genesis or for some reason i'm recalling playing it on demo stations at sears whenever my family would go there for like a photo day for some reason, I would always con my parents into bringing me over to that video game demo thing because it was right next door to the photo area. So it worked out for me. Other than that, I somehow was introduced to the, the Sonic comic books from Archie Comics, where they took some of the game story elements, but they mostly did their own thing about Sonic going around with a band of freedom fighters against Dr. Robotnik. And apparently this thing ran for almost 300 issues. I did not stick with it that long. I just stuck with it for however long my middle school-aged budget lasted. And then also I kind of played a bunch of the compilations that they put out on the original Xbox. And then I also came back for the Sonic Generations game in 2011, which was released for the 20th anniversary of Sonic. Other than that, I've never really been into the current age, like 3D versions of Sonic. Mostly just played a lot of the typical like 2d uh you know platforming ones and enjoyed them but it was never really much my thing i uh like james also owned uh a sega game gear and played sonic on there a bit but my introduction to sonic was actually every time we went to the dentist as kids uh the dentist's office had a one of those kind of demo stations like at sears like james was saying but you know, it had the TV encased with the Sega Genesis you couldn't take out, and it had Sonic 2 in there. 
and we you could play it while you were waiting for your appointment. And so uh, I have a lot of fond memories of fighting over who got to play next. Uh, my brother and I uh, fighting back and forth over wanting to play the game. That was my intro to Sonic. And I played the games on the Game Gear as I had it. I did watch a, one of the cartoons growing up. I never really got to the comics, uh, but I do I do love the Sonic video game series. Um, I did play a few of the 3D generation games. Um, I distinctly remember loving Sonic Heroes for some reason. I don't know if it was the soundtrack or the killer song that they released for it or something, but I just remember having a ton of fun playing that game. And uh, and yeah, I, Sonic is really cool, and I would love to play more of the games. I think I played, I did briefly play until at least I beat it, um, Sonic Forces or something like that, I think is what it's called, that was out on the Switch, and it was pretty good. Sonic continues to impress for me. I never owned any sort of hardware that could play a Sonic game, at least that I'm aware of. So for me, it was the uh, cartoon with uh, Jaleel White voicing Sonic the Hedgehog and the really annoying uh, robot chicken in his laugh, the whole ha 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 or however it went, I don't remember. So, I mean, I, I never got into the comics either. I didn't even know about the comics until I got into college and someone was talking about how weird the story is and how the uh, the fan base kind of took off with it on their own thing. So, yeah, I, I don't have much introduction to Sonic beyond the cartoon, really. All right. Well, on to our review proper then. First up, the story. Uh, brief synopsis. Sonic the Hedgehog runs fast. Really, really fast. Hunted for his abilities on his homeworld Mobius, Sonic uses magic rings to travel to Earth and hides out in solitude for 10 years. After accidentally revealing himself to the world, Sonic must team up with a local policeman, Tom Mokowski, going on a road trip to San Francisco in order to collect his lost rings, all the while staying one step ahead of the insane robotics master, Dr. Robotnik. This story is kind of really simple. It acts as a good introduction to the character of Sonic the Hedgehog, but personally, I don't know, it doesn't bring in too many of the elements of like the actual games. It it kind of falls into that usual trap of like, hey, instead of having this movie be about the actual property itself in its own place, let's bring it to Earth and have people interact with that there. Kind of like uh, the old 80s He-Man Masters of the Universe live action movie. Instead of having an epic sword and sorcery thing taking place on He-Man's World of Eternia or whatever, no, let's bring them all in a portal to Earth and have them interact with Earth things and go, ha, 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 Earth stuff. They don't understand it. And I don't know, I I might have preferred a Sonic movie actually take place at all on his world and stuff, because we get a brief look at it at the start of the movie, and it looked really good. I don't know if maybe that was just going to be too expensive if they all had it there. And I guess at that point, they wouldn't be able to have the live action element to it but i don't know this it whatever it introduced the character fine well enough it was good the thing i forgot and did not realize going into the movie i didn't realize this was going to be rated pg i guess i've just gotten used to nowadays any big media property with an adaptation usually ends up being pg-13 i did not expect this to be pg so it was a bit well a lot more kid-friendly than i thought it was going to be 
not that that's necessarily bad. It's just what not what I was expecting. Also, personally, it's a really odd choice to have a character like Sonic who runs really fast and stick him into a road trip movie. He, I mean, they they try to explain away that like he doesn't know where he's going at all, so that's why he's got to bring you know Tom along to bring him to San Francisco, show him where he's got to go. But I don't know. Sonic runs really fast. He did not really need that type of a thing. Overall, story wasn't really that bad. I don't know that I'm gonna you know necessarily revisit this anytime soon, but maybe one day I will show it to my kid. Who knows? I thought. The story was fine. I I think for I agree with James for the most part. I think what happens is I was when I saw this movie back when it released, um, I was also surprised that it was a kids movie. But, you know, kind of going you don't really know that up front when you're going in, you're kind of expecting, you know, some of the jokes to be a little more adult PG-13 ish or whatever. And, you know, partway through the movie, I just kind of it just clicked for me like this movie wasn't made for me. It was made for kids. They they do a lot to reward those that are fans of Sonic. There's a lot of little hidden things here and there throughout the movie um, that reward those of us that have been fought playing the games or, you know, watching the cartoons, mostly based on the video game stuff. But realizing that this is a kid's movie made the story make a little bit more sense, I think. I agree that the world that they show in the very beginning and Mobius looks amazing. And I, and I, as a fan of Sonic and knowing a little bit about the lore and the story and everything, I want to be in that world, but the general audience, a movie coming out in 2020 for a a game and character that was largely more popular, you know, what let's say in the nineties, you know, the general audience today, the kids today, may not really know who Sonic is or know very little about him. And so I think if the plan is to make a sequel, which thank God they are, because I did enjoy this movie and I am looking forward to seeing more of Sonic, I think it made sense to bring him into the real world and introduce us to this one character. Let's get to know Sonic and his abilities and his personality, and then let's pull everybody into their world in the next movie or maybe even clash the two where Sonic being on Earth now brings the conflict to Earth, making it not as bad that we completely abandon the world of Mobius to just stick Sonic with a bunch of slow people. Uh, So looking at it from the frame of mind that this is a kid's movie, I thought the story was, you know, pretty vanilla. It wasn't anything spectacular, but it also wasn't disappointing at all for me. Uh, yeah, 100% copy-paste what these two just said. There was a moment, I think, right around the, the radar when he's trying to clock himself on the radar that Tom is using, that it clicked that this is definitely a movie that was written for children. And then once that clicked, I was able to kind of get in that mindset and appreciate it a little bit better. Because I, as James said, I hadn't, I didn't really go into the movie other than knowing, okay, I got to watch this. I had no idea what the rating was. I knew there were some faults with people complaining about what happened with it. like. Like James mentioned, uh, a movie about Sonic and it being framed around a road trip. But yeah, it, it was still an enjoyable ride, no pun intended. Especially understanding that they probably had to make the target audience a younger generation and to cater towards that. And I agree that a story centered around his homeworld, which I didn't realize the movie re- uh, 
said it was Mobius. I know Mobius is the home world and the games and the comics and everything. I didn't realize the movie also said it was Mobius. Not I, I don't I don't think they ever actually name checked it in the movie. I'm just assuming that it is. Yeah, and it's a fair assumption. I just didn't click that it, they actually wrote it down, which I assume since you both said it, that it was written, but it doesn't matter. But yeah, so if the movie was set in Mobius, I think it would be a lot harder to get a brand new generation of fans interested in it because there is no connection to it whatsoever. Whereas with it based in the real world, hey, I've heard of San Francisco. Hey, I think I, there's a state called Montana and that's a car, you know, obviously, oh, wow, Sonic can run faster than a car. That's pretty cool. I can relate to that. I can understand and appreciate how fast he is. Uh, and then the bar scene later on when he's practically moving at relativistic speeds, you know, kids wouldn't understand that necessarily. But again, it gives them a frame of reference that they can understand and attach to. Whereas I think because I, I didn't own a Sega Genesis or anything like that to be able to play the games, but I had friends and I would play it occasionally. My only frame of reference with Sonic in those video games was, man, he moves faster than Mario. Sega's better than Nintendo. You know, it's kind of the young mindset I had. Because, uh, man, Mario is slow. <laughs> Genesis does what Nintendo don't. Exactly. So, yeah, the story is fine. Uh, again, I just had to get in that right frame of mind to watch it. And once I did, it all clicked. And, yeah, story's good. So on your whole point of like people not knowing who Sonic is, unless maybe they bring him into our world to understand it. I just got to point out, there are now two Trolls movies that have somehow made buttloads of money. We don't know a Trolls world, yet they stick a whole bunch of current top 40 pop songs in there. And all of a sudden people understand all these troll things. So just stick a couple of pop songs in a Sonic movie and have it on Mobius and you're done. But it, I mean, I guess, but I think that's what makes the Trolls movie so popular is the music, you know, helps make the connection there between this fictional world and, and the world that we understand. But whatever. It's a kids movie, guys. In my defense, every time I've watched the Troll movies, it was as part of a drinking game. So I can't really. Uh, yeah, I got really drunk both times, so I don't recommend no, no, it. No, 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 no. Citation needed because my girls watch these movies all the time and. I could really use something to entertain myself while watching it for the hundred. <laughs> I'll give you the rules later. <laughs> no, 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 no. Right now, because right now? inquiring minds, those watching need to know or listening. <sighs> okay, so it's like every time. Oh God, it's been years since I've done it too. But it was like every time they start saying, "Of course you drink." Every time they mention something whimsical, they drink. Um, there was something like um, there's a specific word they say. I don't remember what it is off the top of my head, but every time that word is said. And it's like every time somebody speaks, they say that word twice. So you're taking a shot like every five seconds, essentially during the entire time. <laughs> well, I don't think I'm going to make it past the first two minutes. I couldn't. I had to stop and pretend I fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, see, I guess I've just lucked out in that my wife has not expressed any interest in these troll movies. So we have not exposed my daughter to it. So mm -hmm. never seen them. Just know them by reputation. <laughs> All right, well. Now, on to the cast and the characters of the movie. So, uh, we have main main big feature here. We have Ben Schwartz as the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, I gotta say, Ben brings a kind of a great energy to this character. The only thing is, I've been watching the uh, DuckTales reboot, and he voices Dewey Duck, the blue duck in there. And I just kept hearing that, because... The, the two voices he uses for these characters are very similar. And now that I'm 
pointing out that he's the blue duck, maybe that makes more sense because Sonic is blue. <laughs> Coincidence, I'm sure. But again, he brings a great energy to it. The character for Sonic itself, like I said, the movie does a great job of, you know, establishing Sonic as, as a character. It does feel a little weird that every once in a while they fall into that trope of having him make references to things from our world. And a lot of these references are really weird. Like, I, I get what they're thinking when they want to have him reference, ooh, these people are watching the movie Speed, because Sonic goes fast. But, like, I don't remember. Was Speed rated R or rated PG-13? Either way, it's something that kids watching this movie, if they have to ask mommy and daddy later, hey, what's that movie? Let's watch that movie. They probably shouldn't see that movie. Yeah, it's rated R. I just looked it up. Yeah, so he makes all these... Uh, kind of references like that every once in a while and it just feels weird but again it's a kids movie that's just a thing that they do we've also got james marsden as tom wakowski and he's not really bad he kind of it, it's weird they kind of change him throughout the movie it seems like at first he's going to be like you know the best friend and or maybe brother type figure and then at the end of the movie he's maybe a father figure like he they he him and his wife set up a place in the attic for sonic to live and it's like oh okay are they his mommy daddy now this is getting a little weird but and james marsden himself as this character he kind of has like a boy scout feeling which probably actually isn't that far off from him playing cyclops in the x-men movies from way back when so i don't know i i thought he did a good job of what they were giving him uh, we have Tika Sumter as Tom's wife, Maddie. She's there. <laughs> Honestly, they really don't do much with her. She's a vet, which is important when she needs to look at an injured Sonic. Other than that, she doesn't really do much. The other main attraction, we have Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik, basically playing something similar to his Riddler from Batman Forever. In this whole movie, he's at kind of like an 11. I might have liked him at about maybe like an eight. Like, don't get me wrong. When, when he's, you know, going against Sonic and everything, you know, all this overacting, you know, typical Jim Carreyness is fine. But when he's like dressing down a bunch of the military people, it was just like, all right, can this scene be over? I, I, I really don't need this. But yeah, the, the tease at the end with him actually going full video game Robotnik, you know, shaving his head, getting an even more outrageous mustache. Hopefully that's going to be a really good setup for the sequel, because I am perfectly fine with an even crazier in context, Dr. Robotnik. Hmm. Uh, the the one the next the, the main character, uh, the one character that was really kind of wasted, actually actor, they have uh, Neil McDonald in there. Mostly known as being a, a dum dum Dugan in the Captain America First Avenger movie, and also Damian Dark on DC's uh, Legends of Tomorrow TV show from the CW. He was in the trailer, and I thought, hey, cool, he's going to be in this movie. That was the only scene he's in the movie. And it's really, a, it's a waste. Like, I, I would have wanted them to have him do more, because he's really funny as Damian Dark in, in the DC Legends show. Like... Why? I mean, good job getting a paycheck, but they could have done more with him. I couldn't even tell you this random military commander's name that he played. They did so little with it, but because nobody the other cares. thing I and that is major. Nobody cares. 
whatever Robotnik called them, I guess. Listen, pal, I don't know if you realize- I'm sorry, Major, what was your name? Benny- Nobody cares! And the only other thing I want to specifically bring up, why Longclaw the Owl? Yeah. Like, this is this is a character who's only in the, the prologue with Baby Sonic, sends him on his way to Earth. This is not an established game character. Like, this is an original character for the movie. I don't even know where they got the inspiration for it or why they felt the need to have it. It just felt really weird. And like, okay, let me look this up later. And it's like, nope, this character did not exist before. Didn't really matter that much either. Maybe it's maybe it'll pay off in the sequel. They wanted somebody new and different or whatever. They didn't want to just pull every known character because you know, we we get spoiler alert tales at the very end and a stinger from the credits, you know, and then you we know that in the prologue, we're going to get knuckles uh, eventually. So maybe they just wanted somebody new and different for this franchise, something that they could say that they created. I, I guess, but like, even even if you take out the core three there, Sonic, Tails, Knuckles, like there are umpteen number of characters that they could have pulled from to to play the, you know, mentor character that sends them on his way. Like it's this this is just really weird. I agree wholeheartedly. I just want to point out that as I was doing some research for this movie and everything, I came across an article. I tried to find it again real quick just now where apparently a lot of people think that Longclaw is based off of Sophocles, who was an owl-like character in a British published version of Sonic's story that was not canon. And so that's the kind of leading theory I saw on a Sonic fan wiki site, was that there is kind of a basis for it. They might have been trying to bring in that source material as a thing, but then why do they call the character Longclaw instead of something like Sophocles or Socrates or anything like that? So I, I was interested to find that out. Who really knows? Fair. I the my only disagreement with James in in the cast of characters. I I think everybody else he hit you know spot on. I am very glad that uh, they did choose what's his name Ben Schwartz to do the voice of Sonic. I had never seen Ben Schwartz before. I didn't I haven't seen the rebooted Ducktales. I haven't seen Parks and Rec where he's from as well. So this was a new voice for me. And while he doesn't sound like the voice of Sonic that I know from the video games and from the cartoons, it still felt very Sonic-like. It didn't it didn't pull me out of the movie. It wasn't a voice like, whoa, like, why did they choose that guy? I think he, he did a very good job. So I like who they picked. I'm glad I had looked this up, just looking up different, you know, um, facts and stuff about the movie. Some of the people they were considering for Sonic, Josh Gad. Andy Samberg, Bill Hader, Will Forte, Jim Parsons, Charlie Day. Those will all have been horrible choices. They are all great actors, great comedians in their own right. Will Forte, doesn't he do uh, Batman? Lego Batman? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, he does an amazing... Oh, wait, no, no, no. Lego Batman was, uh... oh, shoot. One of the Arrested Development guys. I want to say Will Arnett. Oh, uh, Will Arnett, Arnett. Yeah, I'm confusing him with Will Arnett. Sorry. But either way, you know, Bill Hader, Cloudy Chance of Meatballs, Josh Gad, Olaf from Frozen, Andy Sandberg from... Um, I'm on a boat. Sorry? I said I'm on a boat, but I don't think that's right now that I've said it. <laughs> one, of those, one of those memes. Uh, different SNL skits. 
Leo yeah. Lonely Island guys. Yes, Lonely Island guys, SNL, all the good stuff. You know, Charlie Day from Always Sunny. Always Sunny. These are all great guys and iconic voices, but putting them in Sonic would have totally ruined this movie. I would not have been able to pull that out of my head the entire time. So I'm, I'm glad they went with Ben Schwartz. I think it was a great casting choice. I have to mostly disagree with James on Jim Carrey's performance as Robotnik. Robotnik is supposed to be this unhinged kind of crazy scientist guy. And I loved, I mean, maybe just because I'm, you know, partial to Jim Carrey, I love his overacting nature and I love how he uh, portrayed this character. There are a few moments where I do think it is a little too far. The scene where he's kind of talking down to the military. Yeah, I mean, a little bit too much. But at the same time, like some of it was pretty darn funny. Like I love the whole, you know, let me break this down for you. He does a thing where he turns and he goes off on this like real quick monologue where he talks about how basically he's too smart for them. I thought was great. The major nobody cares. I thought was really good. You know, where he tells Agent Stone, you know, tell him what I mean. And then he's like, the, the doctor thinks you're basic. Like that, that scene I think was, was pretty funny. It, it, some parts it maybe been a little too, too much of a stretch. If only I'm thinking like, why is the military letting this person who they have no idea who this guy is talk to them this way and assume command over, you know, what's going on? Like this, there's just no way. And then the other scene where I think he goes a little over the top is where he's dancing in the trailer as he's like doing the whole thing where he's building his new machine to harness the power of Sonic's quill. That I think was a little too over the top where I could have done without that entire dance scene. Some, some other kind of montage would have been better. Although it does end hilariously with Agent Stone scaring the crap out of him with the coffee drink. And he's like, of course I would love one of those. And sn snatches the drink or whatever. Ah! I just thought you might like a latte with steamed Austrian goat milk. What do I look like, an imbecile? Of course I want a latte. I love the way you make them! So now, now maybe I could have been a little more forgiving of that, that kind of performance. If Robotnik as a character in the games was, or in even the cartoons and comics or whatever was like that at all. This seems like they kind of hired Jim Carrey to just be Jim Carrey. I'm fine with that. I thought the performance that Jim Carrey provided worked pretty well. I, I can see where you can compare it to the Riddler. It was a little bit like that, but to me it was kind of a mixture between the Riddler and then like a modern day Sherlock Holmes. And I thought it meshed pretty well, especially for, again, a new generation of Sonic fans and trying to reach younger people. Because like, I think that Robotnik in the games didn't really seem to have much of a personality. He was just taking over the world with his robots. And Sonic was trying to free all the people that were captured by the robots or enslaved into the robots or whatever. And then the cartoon, he was goofy as Jim Carrey. <laughs> um so i i thought jim carrey's performance was excellent there were again moments that i thought went over the top my biggest problem with jim with uh the uh, dr robotnik wasn't even actually dr robotnik it was agent stone because he is simping hard for dr robotnik's the entire film he even pins himself to a wall after robotnik tells him to and then the very next scene here's your coffee and it's just like Dude. <laughs> All right, but before you before you go on too much further, I, I gotta back up for one second here. Robotnik says a Sherlock Holmes type. You didn't get that vibe from him? 
I think no. he means like an intelligent, able to deduce things that nobody else notices kind of thing. I think is what Nathan's going for. I, I don't totally agree with equating it to Sherlock Holmes, but I can see where he got that from. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always gathered, ho- gathered Holmes was literally the that day's Batman, the I'm one step ahead of everybody. And that's not quite what this I mean, maybe uh, maybe Robotnik was one step ahead of like all the military people and anybody else on his level. But because the movie requires Sonic to win in the day, he's obviously not going to be one step ahead of him. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it was fair to point out that had he been going against a human, he would have been a step ahead. And, but the fact that he's going against an unknown creature with unknown powers and determined powers, that's where he kind of slipped up because you can't predict for everything with something you've never seen before. But not just uh, as far as the Sherlock Holmes comparison I made, it's not just the whole deduction, which I think he does do a lot of good, honest deduction work. It's also just that whole antisocial behavior of it doesn't matter to me what you think because I know I'm right. If I'm right, therefore you're wrong. Just dismissive of people entirely. And you kind of see him trying to explain that he likes the robots because they follow commands they're predictable he does they do exactly what he tells them to do whereas people aren't necessarily the same and i got that a lot with like sherlock holmes uh, with a minute cumberbatch where he just doesn't he likes people because they can be predictable but they're not always predictable they kind of mess things up and make them sloppy and i kind of got that same vibe from this performance of dr robotnik is why i compared him to sherlock holmes especially a modern version of sherlock holmes The other characters, they did their job. The casting was great for them. I couldn't have picked a better character or better actress for any of the uh, characters that were portrayed. But Jim Carrey was definitely the best. And uh, Stone was definitely the worst character. Before we do leave this topic, I do got to say that because I'm just remembering the one character I could have definitely done without for this movie is the sister in San Francisco, who's constantly pushing her sister to leave Tom for absolutely no reason there are no signs that they are having any sort of marital issues they seem to be very happy she is extremely supportive of tom and his endeavor to find a law enforcement job in the big city with more action in a bigger town you know they seem to that i don't see any reason why this sister hates him so much and the movie i get it's a kid's movie and they're not gonna go into in deeply into the reasons for why she's doing that but it just felt weird that they put in this character to basically keep saying you need to leave him divorce him divorce him leave him divorce him and i just i didn't care for that like i was like why can this character please shut her mouth my favorite part of the movie is when they tie her up and the daughter completely ignores her and towards the end of the movie she's just running circles around and leaving her there and she's just like can you at least put on my fitbit so i can get in some steps like that's the only good part of this character. So that is one casting the character, not even the casting, the, the actress is fine. The character I could have completely done without. All right. Now, the visual effects of the movie. So getting this right out of the way, the teaser trailer for this movie. It was very derisive among fans. And oh my gosh, nobody, nobody liked the design of the teaser trailer sonic it was so bad that like i think within a couple days or a week or something the filmmakers and the director were just like all right we're gonna delay this movie from i believe it was originally going to come out in november of 2019 and they're like we're gonna delay this three months and we're gonna rework our sonic design 
because that original Sonic design was just, I'm going to blame this on some set of Paramount Pictures executives because they had a definitely more like human anthropomorphic version of a hedgehog for Sonic with longer arms and longer legs, more pronounced teeth, tiny eyes instead of big cartoon eyes, just a whole lot of things that I guess if you wanted to make a realistic human type hedgehog, sure, I guess that's what they would go for. And it doesn't really work for Sonic. And Paramount has done this same sort of thing when they redesigned their live action version of the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And when they tried to do whatever it is they did with the Michael Bay Transformers, trying to make them make sense in a in a real world type of thing. So I it's I don't personally blame the director or any of the visual people behind this movie for this version of Sonic. I'm just going to assume it's a bunch of Paramount execs who think they know better than everybody else. But thankfully, they came back. They, they said that they did not do it with any, without any crunch time on the uh, visual effects department, which, if that's the case, good. Crunch time is terrible. And we got our new, kind of more streamlined with the, with the uh, video game, and he looks like Sonic. Like, there's a couple of things. There's some videos out there that go about the uh, go into detail of all these differences. And uh, we might include a link to it or something, but it is a much better job in the final design. As far as everything else, they do a good job in the movie of kind of giving us a sense of Sonic's speed. It does, uh, before we started recording, we were briefly talking about a lot of this. It's the movie has this weird thing of like, displaying his different kinds of speed like for most of the movie he's just kind of you know putting around going from one pace to another normal but then at a couple times in the movie he does the same sort of like x-men quicksilver ability where it's like everything is kind of slowed down enough to where it stops and he can just do whatever he wants but to me personally that seems to be it's just the movie giving him whatever his abilities need to be for the plot other than that like all the action scenes were easy enough to follow which kind of makes sense for it being a pg kids movie you don't want to try to have kids be too confused with what's going on the the final chase scene with robotnik and sonic going through all the different portals looked well enough and I actually kind of really liked the Robotnik drones. It was, I didn't even realize it until it was actually pointed out in the movie by Sonic that they, you know, kind of looked like eggs, which meant that they could sneak in a reference to him being, you know, Dr. Eggman in there. So that was pretty neat. And it seemed like these drones, I haven't looked at any of the behind the scenes stuff, but it seems like they had a really good physical presence. I don't know if they, you know, had any like, mock-ups of these drones built for real life but it seemed like they had that physical presence to them it is a little weird that they specifically had these drones like shooting what seemed to be live ammunition like i don't there was nothing that specifically said that these were bullets or anything but i expected when we saw some of them shooting lasers that they would all kind of be shooting lasers or just some sort of stunning material instead of actual theoretical bullets which is weird for a kid's movie. But overall, I thought the visuals were pretty good. 
Yeah, I like the visuals here too. Going back to this whole thing with the original Sonic from the trailer, I agree with James. I actually even started kind of looking this stuff up online and one of the animators said that basically Paramount thought new, like when Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in 2014, fans were not going to care for the redesign, but the general audience would, wouldn't care. Like, cause they don't really know what Sonic looks like. It wouldn't mean anything to him, to them. And he fits more in the world. Uh, like James had mentioned earlier, it's a decision that makes sense for executives that don't understand that the fan base is what drives attendance in these movies. If the fans get online and start saying that the movie is garbage, the general audience is not going to go and see it because if the fans don't like it. What interest are they going to have? So this is a lesson learned that I hope they learned a lesson that, you know, they got away with it in Teenage Mutant Turtles. They couldn't get away with it here. And hopefully they won't try to do this again later with some other kind of property. Just respect the original source material and make it look as close as possible. Uh, so I like the way Sonic looks in the movie. I love Robotnik's look. I do like that he doesn't look exactly like Robotnik in the games. You know, and like James mentioned earlier, we do kind of get that teaser at the end where he's evolving into that look. But I like the way he looks there before he's, you know, locked away on that mushroom planet. He's in all black, but he does have red trim. And then by the end of the movie, towards the end of the movie where he's fighting Sonic, you see the colors kind of reverse. And now it's mostly red with black trim. And so you see he's kind of turning into that character. But otherwise, I love the way it looked. The movie's aesthetic was very good, visually stunning. Um, I did feel like the bar scene was pretty much a direct ripoff of the Quicksilver scene in uh, Days of Future Past. You know, but it's a kid's movie. They probably haven't seen Days of Future Past, so they don't know. They haven't experienced that. So this is a good way to give kids something that was really cool in Days of Future Past. And here it's played for laughs. Uh, and some of it is laughs in Days of Future Past, but for the kids. I mean, actually, yeah. Days of Future Past was, I believe, 2014. So with this being a PG movie, you could theoretically have six-year-olds who were born in 2014 that saw this movie and they would... I mean, yeah, some parents might have shown them it already, and that's yeah, that's whatever, but yeah. Again, copy-paste. Uh, I do want to point out, I'm glad James mentioned about the presence of the CG animated entities that are in the movie, because never once did they feel like they were just a layer on top of the film. They felt like they were actually incorporated with the environment, and I got a real big sense of this in the scene where Sonic meets the dog, and like the dog is like licking on whatever it it felt like or rather it looked like sonic actually was touching a dog and a dog was licking a blue hedgehog it it looked very well incorporated very well blended together i loved it i do love the design of dr robotnik and his machines i even kind of like the design of like his laboratory even though it got really crazy for that dancing scene i still like just the aesthetic that he had a mobile lab within a semi truck but yet it felt like it was so much bigger than what it was actually there. The only thing I didn't like about the visuals was that robotic car that was chasing them. And then like they're shooting at Sonic and everything. It was just like big car, unicycle, little thing, or not, not unicycle, but like whatever. And then it just, it's like smaller, 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 smaller robots. Like when is this like Russian nesting doll robot going to end? It just, it was so ridiculous by the time they got this little B-sized drone going around. And then shoot the laser that takes off the top of this uh, this truck. And I was just like, 
enough. Come on. <laughs> like, why do you have to have so many robots within one robot? <laughs> Redundancy. Yeah. I mean, would you rather them have smashed it and then have it be, oh, it's a bunch of nanobots together and now they're in your bloodstream? I feel like that's a reference I should know. Not in particular, no. Okay. But no, I would not. I'm glad he didn't use nanorobots. Maybe he can in a future movie. But for this first movie, I loved the technology used, except for that one. But yeah, visuals are great. Only one complaint. All right. Time for our final thoughts. Like I kind of said earlier, briefly, I was not expecting this to be a Sonic is in our world type of story. But that's kind of fine because it works as an introduction to the character, if not fully to his world and all his you know supporting characters itself and it's geared towards kids it is only pg so it's it's fine it's harmless for the most part really weird with some of their you know you know meta references and everything but whatever i would have really liked to have seen more of these game characters like i know we get the tease of tales at the end and uh, I think earlier in the backstory thing, other than the out of place long claw, the owl, we do get some of Knuckles, Echidna people or whatever. So maybe in a second or third movie, we'll get Knuckles. But like I said, it's a, it's a good adaptation as an introduction to Sonic the character, but not of the game story. And I, like I said, I don't think I will be revisiting this movie anytime soon it's nothing i'm gonna want to you know physically own and have on my shelf but i don't think i wasted my time watching this movie i had been interested when i saw the the second teaser trailer not the first one but yeah i'm glad i got to watch it and i will probably save a sequel when it comes out when i can watch it on like hulu or amazon and not have it cost me anything other than time i was pleasantly surprised by this movie like I mentioned earlier, the moment it clicked for me that, oh, this is a kid's movie, I was able to shut off that adult portion of my brain that wanted to poke holes and things like plot holes and nitpick on things and just focus on the fact that this is made for kids. So it's not, you know, it's it's not trying too hard. You know, it's not thinking of itself too highly. And it was thoroughly entertaining that. The casting was a great choice. I think Sonic was great. I thought the humor uh, landed well for adults and for kids, even though it is a kid's movie. I, Like I mentioned earlier, I love Robotnik. I think Jim Carrey did an amazing job, and I'm a sucker for Jim Carrey. So, you know, I'm, I'm anxious to see more of him, especially now that he looks like he's going to get deeper into that character in in following uh, sequels. So I'm excited for that. When I While I was watching it, uh, Eliana, my my oldest daughter, did sit down with me about halfway through the movie. I want to say, oh, during the bar scene uh, is when she woke up from her nap and started watching with me. And she fell in love with it and asked to watch it again today and watched it be- before I put her to bed right before we were recording this episode. Uh, so she thoroughly enjoyed it and she loves it. So I imagine I will be watching it on repeat like every other movie she falls in love with. Throw it in the list there with Frozen and Trolls and... My Little Pony and all those things that I have seen one too many times. But I will be happy to watch this one because I had a great time. Again, you you got to go ahead and get her uh, in that rotation of that new DuckTales reboot. We'll check it out. Yeah, like Robert said, once I realized it was a kid movie, 7 out of 10, fun ride, 
little nitpicks here and there. Like I kind of wish they had fleshed out Robotnik's character a little bit better and explaining how he thought of things. Like I, I fully believe that in the sequel and any other sequels that, you know, he will have his robotic minions around. And I wish they had played into that a little bit more him being really disappointed with, um, with humans and people and just maybe even living objects in general, because of whatever reason, uh, you only really get a sense of that that one scene with uh, with Agent Stone, and it just to me it wasn't enough to under to help you understand that he doesn't like all humans and he only likes the robots. And but yeah, I'm, I'm not going to own the movie. I'm probably never even going to watch it again. Honestly, I don't think Jessica has any uh, desire to watch it, and I have no little ones who want to sit there and watch a movie like that. So it was a fun ride. I'd recommend go watch it if you can, especially if you have Hulu. Or whatever streaming platform it's on currently, but yeah, it's a kid's movie. You, you say you don't have any little ones. You, the, the cats don't want to chase uh, chase around the hedgehog. No, they're more interested in chasing claptrap whenever I play Borderlands Three. That makes sense. <laughs> I don't blame them. No, I don't blame them at all. Small tangent. It's really weird to consider that they have number one. They're working on a live action Borderlands movie. And that they have Jack Black set to play Claptrap. Yeah. So that'll be fun to look at when it comes out. And Kevin Hart is Roland. And uh, no, let's let's not get into this. We could do a whole episode just about that. Yeah. I mean, hey, it could turn out to be good. Like the, the some of the other people they've got are actually good actors. They've got Jamie Lee Curtis in there. And then they've got, I believe, Kate Blanchett, I think, playing Lilith. So it's not, it's not that they have bad actors. It's just like weird choices. Yeah. But again, it's a complete tangent. I think it's going to be terrible. <laughs> Roll credits. <laughs> terrible time. But uh, speaking of uh, terrible, now on to our terrible times where we either discuss something we've been watching or just absorbing, reading, whatever this week or any link we want to point out of something cool. So I'm going to start off. I've been rewatching some of the DC Universe movies. I forget what they I know Marvel is the MCU. I forget what stupid acronym dc is using for their live action thing i believe it's dceu dc extended universe probably mm, whatever it is it yeah i i've not been like a super big fan of it but i figure with the Zack snyder cut of justice league coming out next month which we plan to look at it might be hey it'll be worth it to me to put it on put on some of those movies one night after work my plan is just to go through, I've already watched through Man of Steel again and the Ultimate Edition of Batman versus Superman. And I'll probably just finish it out with the Joss Whedon version of Justice League. I don't intend to watch Suicide Squad, shouldn't figure in. Shazam definitely won't figure in. But anything that came out after Justice League probably should not be worth it. So I'm just going to limit myself to these three. And that's probably for the best because like, it's been a while since I've watched these and it's not that they're terrible. It's just they're Zack Snyder is not a very 
hopeful filmmaker. Everything needs to be dark for darkness sake. Like for, for Pete's sake, we have the, the ultimate edition of Batman v Superman. A superhero movie is R rated and there can be R rated superhero. There can be R rated comic book adaptation movies. Watchmen works because that's, it was built for being for adults. A Batman and Superman movie, I I just never fully agreed with it being as nitty and gritty as it turned out to be. So I'm I'm kind of glad I went back to watch these, especially since this is the first time where I have watched the end of Man of Steel and the beginning of Batman Superman together, since the beginning of Batman Superman is all about Bruce Wayne's reaction to the Battle of Metropolis. So it was kind of nice to have those back to back and see, oh, I had just seen this scene like 10 minutes ago in the Superman movie and seeing how Batman is reacting to it and maybe understanding a little bit more why he's being a little angsty against Superman. But yeah, that, that's the main thing I've been watching this week. I haven't been watching anything new. I've plugged WandaVision the last uh, two episodes of Terrible Times. It does continue to be an amazing show. So I mean, yeah, I guess I'll mini plug it here. Watch wandavision it's incredible but well especially uh, especially considering i i have to look at our schedule again but that is our next episode is that right i think it's our next next episode Mm, i think it's actually our next it's coming soon i guess pay attention yeah pay attention to any of wherever you catch our feed and eventually we're going to look at wandavision yes hey james here in the middle of editing Just wanted to confirm that we will be covering WandaVision in our next episode. Be sure to join us for that, premiering Sunday, March 14th. You won't want to miss it. Now, back to the episode. So, it continues to be an amazing show. But I am looking, have heard great things about, and and have looking forward to playing uh, Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury. I just got it today. Amazon delivered it today. And I am super excited to play this. I owned a Wii U, but never got around to playing uh, Mario 3D World for some reason. So it's going to be a new experience for me. And I've heard a lot of great things about the Bowser's Fury add-on. So that's what I'm going to be up to for the next few weeks in between recordings. Yeah, I've been I've been listening to a couple of, uh, in my rotation of podcasts, there's a couple of different video game ones. And they've been talking about this re-release this week. And it sounds like Bowser's Fury is... Number one, you can just go into it standalone. So if you had happened to already play the base game when it was on Wii U, you don't have to replay it to get to Bowser's Fury. And it's its own little standalone. A lot of them said it was about maybe four to five hours. And it kind of does a bunch of new things with a giant kaiju-esque Bowser, which is pretty cool. Uh, I've been pretty boring. I've been watching the show called uh, The Rookie with Nathan Fillion on Hulu. I think it's also on ABC. It was recommended to me from a friend, Jacob, and I was like, ah, it's going to be a cop drama. He's like, no, it's it's not. I mean, it's centered around cops. It's centered around Nathan Fillion being a rookie to the uh, LAPD. I think it's LAPD. But I mean, that's it's just a setting at that point. It's not really meant to be about cops. It's just everybody there is a cop. They're doing cop things. I'm now halfway through the second season, almost caught up with what they're broadcasting live. I, I could not believe how much i got into the show it's great story great writing great acting on everybody's part i don't know any of the other actors i just know nathan fillion but like from the get-go it just kind of drags you in and you got to see more my only complaint so far has been uh 
there was one episode where the start of it was clearly an advertisement for Toyota. But I mean, that's going to happen in broadcast TV. So <laughs> yeah, the episode starts with him like driving his truck, his personal truck or something. And it was just, it really felt like an ad. It, yeah. Oh my God. I am so glad you're watching this show because it is incredible. And I had to Google it real quick because I was like, isn't season three starting? Because season two ends on an insane cliffhanger. Uh, not a cliffhanger, cliffhanger, but like it ends like crazy. You're just like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? And it started airing back in January. So I am behind and I need to catch up because uh, I completely forgot that season three was starting. I, it, it is an incredible show. I'm so glad you're watching it, Nathan. People, if you have not watched it, watch WandaVision first, then watch The Rookie. Not because WandaVision is necessarily better, but just because it's about to end soon and we're going to review it. So, you know, we'd like to also hear your thoughts along with ours. So watch WandaVision, then catch up on The Rookie. It's definitely a great show. Yeah, and and to go completely off topic to all this stuff, but back to Sonic, it just reminds you, you mentioning that out of place advertisement shilling thing reminded me i forgot to bring up olive garden olive garden have you tried their never-ending pasta bowl it never ends and (laughs) zillow and what was that in the sonic movie like how much did did olive garden pay these people to bring it up in the movie not once but twice like i know i know the end of the movie it being brought up as like a gift card thing as a joke callback but it really was just weird, right? It It is very, very strange. And what makes it even more strange is it's it's not even like, it's weird. Like they don't, they speak positively about Olive Garden, but like in, a, in, a, in a, an ironic way. They get the catchphrase in there where you, yeah. when you're here, your family as like an almost like a ha ha ironic type way, but right. also in the, you're doing a very bad job at shilling this. It's super obvious and it shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. It was it was like a, an advertisement, but in a very ironic way. Like it felt like they were almost making fun of it, not actually promoting it. So it's just really, really strange. So yeah, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because that was something I meant to mention. Like what the hell is up with Olive Garden in this movie? All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week on our review of Sonic the Hedgehog. We'd like to know your thoughts, so be sure to leave them in the comments below. Or if you are listening to us on your favorite podcast app, you can check out our Facebook page, search for This Is Going To Be Terrible Podcast, and you can leave us feedback there. No matter what, feel free to give us a like, subscribe, hit a bell, leave review, shout about us to, you know, from the rooftops, whatever you'd like. We appreciate feedback from you, our audience. Who knows? Maybe you can even get a shout out from us in our next episode or right now. Quick shout out to a comment left on our Facebook page by Jerry Torres, my mother-in-law. I took Nolan, my great nephew, to see it, the Sonic movie, in the theater for his ninth birthday. He chose the movie and he enjoyed it very much. I surprisingly also found it to be very good and stayed awake for the entire movie. That is always a plus for an adult going to see a kid's movie that they can manage to stay awake the entire time. So, hey, thanks for that feedback. Anybody else wants to leave us feedback throughout the week on any of our episodes? We will give you a shout out, whether you like it or not. (laughs) And seriously, if you don't want to be called out on it, you won't. 
But yeah, that's it for us. Thanks for joining us. Catch you in the next one. Later. I kind of miss my mom falling asleep in the theater when we went out. God, I hate this pandemic. Be good to each other out there. I never played it, so for me, it's a brand new game. A brand new game that I get to play when I find free time. So that'll be never, <laughs> ever, ever. Because we're parents, Nathan doesn't know our pain.